0: Good company.
1: Then after college, I was fortunate enough to go play overseas for a while. I spent five years in Turkey and a little bit of time in Germany, and now just kind of evolving, trying to tap into my creative side.
0: What's up everybody thank you for tuning in again this is good company i'm your host j r Mafia, along here with my very good friend and co host stephen hakes josh ship four time or was it three time final four uh appearances at u c l a basketball plays overseas um has a great career overseas uh unfortunately ends um that's that's You know that's who we had as a guest, but that's not the guy we had on the show,
2: right? Would you say that? No, yeah, no, not at all. I think he probably is used to people identifying him like that. But man, there's so much depth to him, and through his experience and travels, and just self journey of self discovery, man, we saw a lot of Josh Ship that most people probably don't know. Yeah,
0: man, it was. uh, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I walked away. Um, really excited about putting this one up just because of, um, we got a real true essence of, of this dude and, and, and completely out of his normal frame of what I think he's been, you know, identified as for so long. So it was really exciting, man. And I just, I just hope the listeners enjoy it. It was
2: man. and, And be, be ready to, to feel a spark of creativity inside of you. Because uh, that's what it made me want to do, is just seek ways to be more creative. Yeah, for sure, dude. For sure. All right, without further ado, Josh Hey,
0: let me tell you right now, though, this place in Koreatown is dope, man. Is it Koreatown or
1: Chinatown? Chinatown.
0: Chinatown, man. Uh, super dope spot. I think it's perfect. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have you come through and design the studio when we're ready, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That'll be a first. I'll oh, see what I sick. can do. All right, so we got the writers. We got the writers. We got the writers. Bam. Salute, brother. Oh, cheers, cheers. Cheers. Hey, Steve, cheers, baby.
2: I got I got something over give, here.
0: Give me that water keeper. Where's that?
2: Oh, yeah, hey, I got water. Hey. We do hey, too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm. Yeah, so I don't know if we want to get right into it. I was just going to do a little teaser of the writing. The creative process. Do your
0: fucking thing, man.
1: Yeah, so this is just, I don't even know, poems, whatever they are, thoughts, conscious flows, just whatever it is. So, a little quick teaser. It doesn't even have a title. That's the ironic part. So, (laughs) it goes, I wanted to be wrong, wrong for feeling like I needed to be right. Stuck between what felt right and knowing it was wrong. Blaming everything wrong to make me sound right. Right about all that went wrong. I guess you're right about having it all wrong. a Feeling so wrong, I don't have any right. I pray you forget the wrong and see all that is right. A sight so right, nothing can be wrong. The
2: writing of a wrong. Damn. Yeah, <sighs> that was nice. That was I, so- I did not follow all the way. That was nice. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to break it down again. But you know, that was no, yeah, that's, nice, that's
0: way too. Yeah, that's one thing you got to go through line by line and kind of, yeah, kind of break it down because that shit was packed. Like you got to unpack that.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah, each line tells more than, than what it is. As it should. Yeah. It's
0: true. As it should, dude. That is that's some fire. So I mean, would you be able to take me through it, just like a brief overview kind of thing?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So it starts off, I wanted to be wrong, wrong for feeling right. So I guess that's like a thing of entitlement. Mm. Like at a certain point, if everything's given to you, you kind of play this reverse psychology in your head, like, okay, well, I want to be wrong. And it's also like another reverse in your head, like thinking you you know everything. Mm. And I think that's uh, something a lot of people deal with, this idea that they're always right or that the world is against them in some way. And I think that's where a lot of self-sabotage comes in. So it's like you kind of have this want to be wrong. And it was this, this idea I kept trying to go with, and it's wrong for feeling like I needed to be right. So I guess it's this like weird thing of like, why do we even need to feel like we're right? Mm. Like where does that even come from? Yeah, man. So if I feel like I'm right, then I automatically have to somewhere deep down inside, I have to know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I know something's wrong, then I'll, I just want to feel right all the time. Yeah. So it's like this game of hiding what's really going on. And then it's just it just keeps going. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, so do you I mean, Steve, I, I know you got something for him. But real quick, um, how much of that do you think is pride? Because we've talked about this. Me and Steve have, and, and pride, like you said, you know, like you said, that self sabotage and that wanting to be right. It's like so. So this is something that we believe in, and this is why we're doing the podcast because we believe in this conversation, right? Like we believe in people understanding that kind of mindset because it's dangerous to oneself. You know what I mean? Extremely. Yeah. So, so I mean, what, did you experience a, a sense of like? Would you say pride was was definitely mixed in that whole thing?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think in the society we live in, everything is about perfection. Mm. So I think that's what that pride is. Like, I have to be the perfect son, I have to be the perfect brother, I have to be the perfect lover. Um, it's just this idea of perfection, and that's that pride. And so if if you're tr- trying so hard to be perfect, then it's built off knowing that something's wrong. Mm. And you might not know it's wrong, but you know you want that perfection, so whatever's wrong, it's like you want to be that much more right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're on to something. I mean, so the it, instead yeah. of instead of just dealing like the the poem is like I mean, dude, ins- instead of just dealing with what you've been dealt with, right? Like your your faults, your shortcomings, your mishaps. Instead of with instead of somebody just sitting down and dealing with that and accepting that, and then. Realizing that they could change certain things, right? It's you're really speaking to just this vicious cycle of like wanting to cover up the flaws, wanting to pretend uh, like I got this shit kind of thing, and I'm gonna just keep putting on this front um, rather than sitting down and, and really trying to put yourself together, right? I mean, could I is is that am I following?
1: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Okay, it's like the more the more perfection you seek, it's like the more good you're you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're only trying to do good because there's so much wrong going on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why does anybody strive to be this great person? Like, where did that sense of striving to be that come from? It's like we strive for success more than we strive for just being a good person. Right. So it's like, how did that take precedence? So if that took precedence, then... There was a need. And so the need would come from a lot of wrong going on. Mm -hmm. So it's just this idea like the more right you are, the more you want to mask
2: the wrong. You know, when I think about this and every time I've looked at that and been like, why do I want to be so right? Why do I want to be so accepted? You know, and all these other things. And it's always come down to me uh, not being confident not you know it's I'm always searching for validation and it's because I didn't believe enough in myself and what I wanted to do, and what I wanted to go for. But it was when I finally got that confidence, or um, a more clear picture of who I wanted to be. That's finally when I accepted that I was going to be different. It wasn't going to be right as per se other people would accept, and that made me accept other people being that way. And and so it's kind of like you said, it changes your whole focus from that constant tug of war you know what i mean
1: yeah that that tug of war is uh it's a crazy battle within the mind it's like it is, but man. like you said like if right doesn't exist then you're yourself and if you're yourself then your true genius signs uh sorry your true genius shines and so within that like you don't need to be right you're too busy actually shining in life like the true like stars we are Like we say we come from stardust. Well, like, let's let the star shine.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that, man. I like Uh,
2: this. It's true. And like, um, I mean it's too bad because the only reason that we think we're wrong when we're going for, for who we truly are, right. When we're letting our light shine is, uh, is the people that don't have the courage to do the same. Right. And they don't want you to do that because it makes them feel uncomfortable. You know, and I I'm speaking mostly from personal experience, right? Like when I didn't have that confidence, that's what I tried to do to other people, right? Discourage them from being different, because I wanted them to be like me.
0: Yes, isn't it crazy, bro? Like how, and this is the the idea of good company because people will try to like sabotage that kind of energy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the the idea of haters being out there, like the idea of haters is something really real. You know, and it's I don't think it's I I think it's just people who like Steve said, like don't identify with the same things that you do, and so you make them uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: no, I I totally agree. Like for you to like hate somebody, like that means it was birthed out of some like love of what they're doing. True, because if love and hate is one of the, one and the same, then you have some kind of envy or jealousy, and if you are not willing to go within yourself and realize you have that same potential, then you're gonna. Spread the hate. So if you spread the hate, then you keep that person in that level consciously, which you could deal with the story you can accept. So it's like, I don't even think people even know they're like sabotaging other people's lives. They're just thinking about themselves and with in thinking about themselves, they keep the story the same because that's what's comfortable, comfortable to them. They stay in their comfort zone. So they won't, like if you try to say you're a hater, they're like, I'm not hating because they can't destroy their story.
2: Yeah, Yeah. The biggest haters don't know
0: that they're haters, bro. It's
2: true. And then anytime they try to do something and they get any hate, they're like, why are these haters trying to stop me from doing my thing? And they don't realize it's the exact same thing they do to everybody else, right? So it is that cyclical nature like you were talking about, wanting to be right and then only when you're wrong and when you're right, you, you know, you know, something must be wrong. And so there's just that constant ebb and flow and cycle. Yeah. We just but once we awaken and like you said, just realize it's focus on being a good person. You know, it takes care of most problems. I, I think it's like just put
0: your shit together, man. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like, look, we're all fucked up in some way. Like we all fall short in some way just focus on putting your shit together. Yeah. And and because everybody's doing it. Like everybody should be focused on putting their own shit together. And uh you know, I think this like, you know, social media plays a fucking huge role in it, but like this constant comparing to other people and like like you said this this like underlying feeling of wanting to be right or wanting to like put on this front like you got it figured out and shit is like I think that's the most toxic shit out there right now, man. And it it really comes down to, and this is why we started this podcast, is get your shit together. Like, figure out what's wrong with you. Figure out what what you're doing that you can do better and do that. Yeah. Right? So, ah, fire. I'm telling you. Hey, on so, that note, man, we it. came here for you,
2: though. We'll, we'll let JR <laughs> talk later, man. <laughs> so, I'm
0: sorry. Don't, hey, don't don't get me going on this shit,
1: bro. Do hey, not get me we, so. we all have a similar call, so just yeah.
2: let it flow. Sure. So <laughs> we want to ask, man, because, um, you know, we want to, you know, for, for listeners who don't know who you are, uh, we just want to ask you, man, who is Josh Shipp?
1: Um. That's an interesting question. I mean, I'm learning he's constantly evolving. Uh, I mean, from the start, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, Fairfax High School, uh, played basketball there, was lucky enough to get a scholarship to UCLA, a full ride, um, was there five years. Within that five years, I was on some pretty good teams. We went to three Final Fours um, after college. Yeah, that's, that's,
2: those are good teams.
1: Yeah, no, they were, they were pretty decent teams so got that experience uh, then after college I was fortunate enough to go play overseas for a while I spent five years in Turkey and a little bit in time in Germany and now just kind of evolving trying to tap into my creative side started doing writing poetry uh designing stuff so just new chapter in my
2: life so looking forward to it that's cool man and when did you feel this urge to create? Have you always felt that? Did that develop towards the end of basketball? When did you start feeling the urge to create?
1: Um, I don't think you realize like the urge to create. I think it's just something always with you. I think at an early age, like I was always just stuck in my head, thinking thoughts, and I didn't think anything of it, so I kind of just progressed like that. But now it's like me understanding like okay, like well those thoughts they were part creativity, like me trying to have an understanding of the world. So that's a creative process. So now just trying to realize that everything I was doing was some form of creativity, whether that was on the court or going to class and trying to understand the information, creatively give it back to them. So whatever it was, like I realized like the creative side never left. So it's like really just trying to understand how to tap into that now and kind of Transform it into different avenues, whether
2: that's the poetry or the painting or whatever you choose to do. That's cool. Did you do any of the poetry or painting or stuff early on as a kid, or what would you say was your your creative outlet? It's growing funny. Up?
1: It's funny. I played. Uh, I started when I played basketball. Like I was doing it for so long, like I kind of forgot like my joys and passions as a kid. So it wasn't until recently, like, I started doing it again, and then, like, friends and family would be like, yeah, like, you used to write, my mom, she would say, yeah, you used to write me little love poems when you were little. And I'd be like, oh, like, I guess I always had it. Or my friend would be like, yeah, like, you drew all the time. like And I'd be like, I don't even remember drawing. So it was really? kind of this idea of, like, I gave basketball so much, I kind of forgot about my other talents or other interests or other hobbies. So... It's just trying to remember who I am and trying to tap back into that.
2: Do you think basketball gave you enough of a creative outlet to satisfy that, or do you feel uh, you kind of you you it came with a cost and you had to suppress the other things? For sure,
1: um, I think just even the way I played the game, it changed over the years. Um, my senior year, like I was a player that was kind of free, and then I got to college and I bought into the whole idea of. Uh, sacrifice the individual for the greater good of the team, and you'll all be successful. So I believe that, and that's what I was doing. So naturally, like if you have to sacrifice, you're sacrificing some part of you. So I think a lot of that sacrifice is your creativity. You kind of just buy into the the system, and you lose who you are, what your value really is. So I think for me now, it's just holding true to my value when I go into the art world or the writing, the poetry and realizing, like, I am a unique individual, as is everybody else. And how you perceive the world is what makes you unique. So you are artistic, you are creative. So it's just being in a space to recognize that and share your your view of the world through your actual lens, which nobody else can see.
2: I like that. Um... So when, when do you think, when did basketball become your main focus? Um, sorry, I realize I'm going off tangent oh, a little bit. No, but. no, it's perfect. Yeah, good, we want, dude. we want to like, we're not, we're not like boxing you in as an athlete. It's just trying to understand what role basketball played in your development of a, of a creative person, you know, and cause it was a big part of your life for a long time. So go on all the tangents you want, you know, that we want to get those out of you.
1: For me, it started very early on. It's like once you choose basketball, um, well, let me start off by saying my grandfather, he was a coach. So he was always around teaching us the game. So it's like I kind of gravitated towards it because that's what my family kind of did. My older brother played and naturally as a younger brother, you would like to be like him. And so I was like, okay, well, let's give basketball a shot. And so within that, like I started to realize, not till later on, but like as a basketball player, once you learn the game, you start to visualize the game and you start to understand how can I be better at the game, which is a creative process because you have to see the game a day before or whenever you're in that mode and understand what the opponent's going to do, what the team objective is. So you're constantly, you're visualizing and creating a whole scenario in your head. So it's like that basketball the game actually allowed me to stay in creative mode 24/7 and not realize it. So now it's like getting to the point where you understand that your life it, it guides you no matter what you choose to do. Mm. And so once you understand that then you actually understand who you are in this world. And so like the frustrations I have from the sport I'm able to release those because it was my avenue to learn how to live life, and so I really had to learn to accept the good and the bad that came with that
0: It was like the it was like the foundation that life dealt you yes right um i feel I feel super strongly about that too um, do you think? You said that when you got into that system at UCLA of sacrifice for the greater good of the team, uh, I think you alluded to it taking away from your game. Do you think that's the case with a lot of college players who go in there? I mean, I mean, we'll speak on your experience. I mean, what did you really give up? Did you think that minimized you as a player, or do you think it you know accentuated Uh-oh. your talents?
1: I mean it was it was hard for me personally because I had injuries. Mm. So within that it's kind of like I didn't feel like myself after the injury. So it's like I can't really blame like anybody else like if I don't even feel like myself then I can't expect anybody to see me as myself. Right. So that frustration was it was myself reflecting it on the program. Mm. So it wasn't really me being mad at UCLA or anything. Yeah. It's like I was given this set of circumstances, but instead of realizing that it's a learning lesson, you realize you were reflecting what was already inside of you. Mm. So it just showed me how to accept life more. Mm. And so I can never go back and say, I wish things would have been different or a system took my creativity. Right. No, it's it took my creativity when I was in that mindset, yeah. but now once I move past that mindset, I realize it was strengthening my creativity.
0: Yeah,
1: and so there's there's many layers to it, so it's hard uh, to no, man.
0: This, see, this is this is so important. This is so important for people to hear because what I hear you doing is is reframing these things to benefit you, and I think that's such a powerful tool that you have. And obviously you've developed over the years but like uh, again uh reframing things so that i mean that that they benefit you right that they bring you that positive energy that positive attitude or outlook or perspective on what you're going through right now is huge man so when did you when did you start adopting this philosophy or like this way of thinking like did what who influenced you the most in this kind of thought
1: um i mean it's very recently i mean i dealt with a lot of injuries i had two hip surgeries while i was at ucla and then overseas i broke my leg so within that i had to always deal with this issue of pain and not really being able to express that i'm in pain Mm -hmm. so like when you're in pain you constantly have something to think about like something is always throbbing and so within something always throbbing Like, you have to start thinking how to mask that pain. So it's either painkillers or alcohol or whatever addiction you have. There's a million vices in this world. And you either get addicted to those or you create stories in your head to mask the pain you're dealing with. So I think for me, like, I realized I was doing that, trying to tell myself everything was okay, but realizing it wasn't. I was just doing more and more damage to my body. So at a certain point, my body kind of stopped. And within it stopping, I was left with the thoughts. Because at a certain point, pain isn't pain anymore. Mm. You're in it. And so now within being in it, I actually could see the pain and think about the pain. So now you think how to get out of the pain. So you have to go through all the painful thoughts. Mm. And once you start to go through all the painful thoughts, you realize, okay, well... I rather be in pain, getting out of pain, than letting pain get the best of me and dying in pain.
0: Mm, damn. Wow. So, I mean, is that are you still limping because of the hip thing right now? Is that why you're limping? Yeah. Okay. So I thought maybe you had like sprained an ankle or something.
1: No, no, no. But I you... mean, it's an ongoing process of just rehabbing it and trying to okay get it back to a yeah. doable thing.
0: Yeah. So it's still affecting you right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is something current, man,
0: we're dealing with right now. That's, that's, I appreciate you sharing, man. Oh, it's all good. It's a, it's a process.
2: Injuries take time to heal. They'll yeah. get there. That's, that's crazy. Steve, you got something? Was, uh, yeah, was there any, like, was there, as as kind of asked, was there someone who um, kind of served as a, a mentor to you, or was there literature that guided your thinking in this? Was this all you in your head coming to these conclusions? How How did that journey kind of happen from – awakening to the pain
1: well i mean it's just making a decision like okay if you've been in a lot of pain it's like i don't want to be in pain so take a step to get out of pain and so within that just making that decision to get out of pain you start making other decisions that help you get out of pain so like however small it was i think for me it started okay well let's go on youtube and look at videos there's a million things on there. Let's see what people have to say. And so one thing will lead you to another thing and then another thing. And then you go through this whole slew of things. Well, let me try the energy healer. Let me try a vegan diet. Let me try fast. Uh, Let me do acupuncture. Let me see a chiropractor. Let me do stem cell injections. Let me do facet blocks. It's like you go through this whole slew of things to actually understand well, where's the truth in all of this? What's really going to heal me? Mm. And so yeah. it's, it gets, like I said, it gets to the point where you try one thing, another thing, and another thing. So it's like that first decision you made to be healthy or to be healed or whatever it is, like you start to notice like every decision is leading towards that one decision. So it all starts with one. And then I feel like, if you really have the intent to get to that, like the universe will guide you to the
2: information you need to know. Absolutely. So like you were saying, it's, it's a, it's a fairly recent thing. Um, When, when did you, when would you say you made that decision? Um, I think concretely probably three years ago. Three years ago. And so were you done playing basketball by then?
1: Yes, I was done at that time.
2: Okay, so had you returned already or?
1: You are
0: back in L.A.
2: or? Yeah, where were you at when when you kind of?
1: Yes, I was back in L.A. I was kind of just rehabbing because I stopped playing because the the body finally gave out. So I had to end my contract and come back home. And once I got back home, it was like, okay, well, just rehab it, strengthen it, and you'll be back. So I went through a process of that, and I think that's what kind of started it. And then from there, it got really serious when I realized, okay, well, I'm probably not going to play again. So now let's really try to figure out what's going on.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I realized for me, it was more so, I think, on an emotional side, just trying to release a lot of, I guess, that blocked up creativity. A lot of the creativity that's suppressed when you're not able to express yourself freely.
2: So, when did you pick um poetry and writing and painting back up? That started about a
1: year ago. I actually
2: decided to go with my girlfriend to
1: India.
0: Dude, this is a year ago.
1: yeah, before I got seriously hey so
0: it. Hey, for anybody listening real quick, let me just shout this man out i mean these these we're gonna get some pictures if if I got your blessing on it and put this up on on something because yep. these paintings are amazing, man, and he's got I mean, how many pieces you got, man?
1: Uh, probably just like 10. Nothing crazy. No, dude. I mean,
0: but like, I mean, this these things, I mean, they take time, though. They yeah. take time. So you've definitely been, like, um, immersed in it, would you say?
1: Most definitely. Yeah. I think uh, it's a process. I think a lot of the paintings, they they start with an intent to maybe release something, maybe some frustration about a sport or some bad decision and they kind of evolve and it might take a week and some might take five months. It's just like kind of just working on intuition, like, okay, well, I need to paint on that one today. And then you walk by it and it'll be two months later and it's like, okay, well, I need to put something else on that. So it's just trusting your intuition. And then once it's done, it's like, okay, I I know it's done. And so for me, it was kind of like teaching me about life again to trust your instincts and trust what you know is right. And I think sometimes if you get stuck in a routine that you kind of lose that. And for me personally, I felt like my life was in a routine of just going to a game, going to rehab, going to practice, and there was just this, like life became an autopilot. And then I think with life becoming an autopilot, like I didn't have the that creative outlet. And so I feel like that energy, it just, it kind of eats away at you. So within it eating away at you, it's it's like it has to get out. It's like, how does it get out? I don't know if that's through anger or whatever it is, lust. Like it has to get out as fast as it can. And I think that's why a lot of people have these outbursts or reactions they can't control. It's a lot of stored up energy.
2: And so they need those creative outlets like you're doing, right? You know, painting or different things like that. I totally agree. Do you ever have a hard time accepting um, some of your art? You know, do you, are you very judgmental of it? Do you always accept and love it? What's you know? Do you have what's your relationship with? Does it change from piece to piece?
1: It it definitely changes. Uh, some of the stuff I can't stand, <laughs> but it tells a story and it feels like it's done and it's the story that needs to be told and in, in my head at least. And some of it is like it's it's cynical, and so I get a laugh out of it. So <laughs> it just it depends on how I feel at any given day. Some of them I get emotional. I think I, it tells a, a story of emotion that was deep inside of me that needed to be released.
2: So like it changes. It varies. I, I bring that up because I think it's important. Uh, because I think it's easy for people to look back and see someone who's created this art and done so, so prolifically over the past year and think that you just love everything you do, you know, or to look at the artist and think they love every song they've written or the painter, every painting they've done. But to realize that, I mean, you're, you're way more judgmental when you create it. And so I just wanted to highlight that, you know, that people should learn to accept those things and that it's not all going to be perfect, but that it's a journey, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it definitely is a journey. I think you could get lost in the art. And I think that's, for me, that was what was appealing. It was like I was so used to playing a sport. And within that sport, there's moments when you're actually like in a zone. It's really hard to describe, but it's like you're really in another place, like everything is just synced up and there's peace. And for the longest time, it's like, if the sport's taken away, it's like, where do you find that feeling again? I think for most people, if you don't have that feeling in sports, I think that's what people call love. And that's why I think a lot of people search to be married and have these relationships, because they want that feeling that life is synced up with something outside of them. Mm. And so for me, I guess, like, the art started to teach me again to learn to sync up with life it was a moment where i felt like like nothing really mattered like just in a creative process and so that's what i i appreciated about art and so now when i paint like i take the time to try to be creative and not judge it and mm-hmm. that's why now it's like a lot of my work is like these childlike or like i don't know abstract things because I feel like that's how a child would do it like the last time like everything was pure and nothing really mattered.
2: yeah I like that Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, that was awesome I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Tim Ferriss and his books he's got he's got a book called tribe of mentors where he interviews a bunch of people have you heard of that book no I haven't so in there he has Terry Crews the actor uh, he's like Cheeseburger Eddie on Green, The Longest cool Yard, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in there, I what I didn't know about this guy was, yeah, he played in the NFL. He's a big time actor, super jacked, all that stuff. That's what he's known for. But he got a full ride scholarship uh, to a, I can't remember what university, but for art because he's a painter. Wow. And um, so he starts talking about how the worst advice he ever got in Um, I guess his industry which was I guess the NFL mostly or or in acting and it was beat the competition And that's what he says was the worst advice he could get because it makes you just think Like scorched earth beat everybody, you know, like push them down teammates everybody you have to be higher than them to feel good and once he broke free from that he said he realized how much more creative he became because he wasn't competing against anyone else and this eliminated the judgment of those things because you, you're, you you can not you always beat the competition because you're only the competition, right? You, you're the only you and no one can beat that. You can be, you're the only one who can be the best you. And so it really reminds me of, of that kind of thinking, you know, just a different way that you said it is just look at it, accept it as art and and appreciate it. And and the story it's trying to tell. Because it's the unique story about you.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, everybody has their story. And I think every story needs to be told and needs to be validated. And it's hard to do that because most people don't have the creative tools to express that. So you told me,
0: <clears throat> when we were chopping it up earlier, you told me that you believe everybody's a creative. Could you expound on that a little bit? Like, what do you... What do you mean by
1: that? Um, well, for me, I truly believe everybody's a creator for the simple fact that you have to look at some of the stories people tell themselves. Like for me, I realized the story I was telling myself that kept me stuck in a lot of things and still revealing the story that's keeping me stuck in certain decisions. So if you realize you're telling a story, you start to realize how creative your story is mm. because the story is what's keeping a lot of people surviving. So I would say that's a hell of a creator. If they could create a yeah. some story so powerful that it keeps somebody alive,
2: I would say you're a creative genius. Mm.
0: That's beautiful, it's, man.
2: That is. Uh, well, so like you said, a lot of people don't have those creative outlets. So what what do you think those people could do if they don't feel like I can't paint, I can't write poetry, I can't do these things? What what advice would you have for them? Being the creators they are, you know, what guidance could you give them in finding their creative outlets?
1: Um, I would just say express it to the people closest to them. Like, if you have the ability to create, create a, a happy, loving environment, mm. and it's an extremely hard thing to do, which I struggle with as well. And it's understanding emotions and all that, but it's so like at the end of the day i feel like the goal is to create a a loving and happy environment i think it's i
0: think it's so much about the individual like you said too though man it's like you can start with putting yourself together right like you are the you are creating your own life and so like everybody has some outlet that they can allocate some energy to um that's why i think what you said was so profound about that because uh, this is what we're trying to get people to do is provoke thought. You know, the other day I told Steve, I, I was driving and shit and, and, uh, I just had this thought in my head and it was like, uh, my purpose is to provoke thought in people. And I mean, you really got to get comfortable with being by yourself, with being with yourself is something that I thought about too. And like, because distractions are such a big deal too, you know what I mean? And so, like, we had another guy on, Terrence Mitchell, that we talked about how he was very much a lone wolf. And this is a dude that's in Cleveland now, just secured a great contract. And we talked about how, like, he was in his own world kind of thing. And it gave him the ability to really dissect him on a personal level and give him, you know, the thought power that he needed to allocate to what he wanted. And so I wonder, like, do you, does that resonate with you? I mean, do you, do you spend time with yourself on a daily basis? Like, I mean, you have to, but just looking at this art, man, but I mean, maybe you could expound on that.
1: Yeah, I think I spend a little bit too much time with myself. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be a constant thing. It really does. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it gets, it gets interesting because you start to, like understand yourself and understand how you think and so it's like it kind of becomes addictive mm. it's like if i can understand what triggers me then i could be a better person and try to avoid those triggers or try to understand like why are there triggers yeah and so it's like it starts the thought process so within the thought process you start to think about a lot of things there's a lot of things that go into an individual and how they move and how they operate. So there's like it's a never-ending thing. I don't think anybody's truly ever understood exactly who they were. Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff of the gods, like it's a fucking journey, right? Yeah, like like God made a human. Like how could anybody <laughs> understand themselves, right? Like they have to, at a certain point, you have to admit to a higher power, whoever you think it is, because you don't even, you know, you can't even tell me how you breathe, right? <laughs> you want to tell me you're a God. That's fucking dope, man. I
0: love how you laid that down. Yeah. It's, it's like, come on, they're playing with me. You play, yeah, man. It's like, and this is people who like want to just, want to be so adamant about denying a higher power. And this is something we talk about too. It's like people get caught up on semantics. Like, what do you want to call it, right? Like, what do you want to call God or what name do you have for it? But people want to get caught up on that. And then you have people that is straight up just want to deny an energy like that. That I think, I mean, if you look in nature and you look all around like and really study things, I mean, it's it's undeniable. Like you said, you can't even tell me how you breathe, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I love that.
2: So I'm curious, man, because if it is such it is an important process to get to know yourself, right? Spend time with yourself. And like you said, it is it is fairly addicting because you feel that immense growth. But when do you you said you feel like you spend too much time alone? When do you know you're spending too much time alone?
1: When your girl says get your ass out the room. (laughs) When somebody's talking to you. And like your word, like you are—it's like a translator. Like your thoughts are translating their words into your own thoughts. Mm. Like that's when you know, like you've gone too far. It's like you don't even
2: hear the outside world.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Hold on.
2: I—I <laughs> I think I know what he's talking about because I think go I've done go that.
0: through that one more time. So when you're talking to somebody and you're and tra- you start translating. You know how you
2: watch a,
1: a TV show and you see subtitles? Yeah. And like you don't even register the voice anymore. Okay. It's just like your thoughts are translating what they're saying. Yeah. Like that's if that happens in reality, you know <laughs> you're in your head too much. Uh
2: what do you think like how has your perception changed spending all this time abroad and seeing all these different worlds?
1: It's changed a lot drastically. I think once you start to experience other cultures, you start to like, feel like you get to feel it. And when once you start to feel something, you start to know how real it is. Mm. And so that's a real person. Like, that's another culture. They're, they have value. Like, it's not just, oh, like, somebody overseas, like, a war going on. Like, no, like, these are actually real lives, real human beings. So you start to develop relationships and it opens your eyes about a lot of things, and you're also able to see like things you should be extremely grateful for. I mean, in some countries, like kids don't have shoes or running water or like adequate shelter and I think we live in a in times where I don't know what it is like we over this excessive need for extra stuff it's just creating this this lack of compassion and creating the competitive environment. So I think once you travel, you start to not want to compete. You just want to experience other cultures and recognize the beauty within them.
2: That's cool. Do you think, was it Turkey that impacted you the most?
1: Yes, it definitely definitely was. I mean, you got to think. I was an American. I went to go play in Turkey, and the culture accepted me. They gave me a job. They, They fed me, clothed me, basically. You could say that. And opened their culture to me. So yeah, it was definitely Turkey. I mean, it felt like a second home for a
2: while. That's really cool. Have there been things that they do that you've taken from their culture and you practice or has it just kind of more left an imprint on, on the way you think?
1: No, just more so just left an imprint on the way I think. I didn't really take, Anything from anybody's culture, I just was there to embrace it and enjoy it and accept it and like I said, yeah, just that just enjoy it.
2: I
0: love it, hey, so before I rudely cut you off you were you were going to tell us about India with your girlfriend as far as what as far as it <laughs> influencing you uh in your art, oh. This is because we asked you when you started that whole journey. Yeah.
1: And no, that helped with my my writing a lot. Um, it's funny, they gave us a notebook. We went to uh, like a yoga retreat and to do like a teacher certification and they give you a notebook and for some reason I had this urge just to write in it. And so it just felt like the environment like was a peaceful environment and everybody was there for healing and so i just started to do journal entries and thoughts and they kind of evolved into let me shorten them and they became like poetry to me but they're really like my like thoughts of overthinking shortened down to like a very small poetic type structure so for me it it, it pretty much started there where it's like okay like i want to do this let me write one every day let me just keep writing keep writing see what happens that's
0: cool. That's dope, man. Do you still uh, practice yoga? You still do yoga?
1: I try to, but I definitely need to get more uh, more consistent with it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, well, curious, yeah, because um, you you uh, for those who can't see, which is everyone listening, uh, <laughs> Josh is looking like a full on yogi over here, yeah, and man. so I, I was going to ask you if yoga influenced that or India or what you know, because it does seem to be a common theme where the more free or spiritual or in that kind of a realm people get, the more they tend to look, take on that look with the beard, the longer hair, the, you know, plain but looser clothing, things like that. So what made you decide to adopt that? Was it India? Was it just a natural feeling you had inside or... Uh, India definitely had something to do
1: with that. I mean, we were traveling a lot, and I wasn't going to go to a barber out there. Yeah, was kind of, <laughs> I was there for healing, so I wasn't even thinking about, like, appearance or anything like that. So, and then you just kind of get in a place where you're like, oh, it feels good not to worry about so many superficial things. Mm-hmm. so you kind of just let it grow, and you see how you feel, and it actually feels more natural, so... I just was going with it, and I mean, I don't know if I'll keep it or what's going to happen with it, but for me, it was just getting in that that place where it's like, okay, well, let me just try to focus on one thing. Let me not think about so many other things. Yeah. Uh,
0: the beard is vicious, man. Yeah. The beard is dope. We're going to get it's a picture, a, man. It's a good one. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we could replace that. Have you seen your picture on Wikipedia, bro? No. Oh, dude. We're going to get that shit replaced. <laughs> I got you. You're like, you're. I'll show it to you after we're done. Okay. Everybody, go look at that Wikipedia. We're gonna get it changed. <laughs> um, man. So do you, uh, do you practice any kind of creed, any religion, any what? What's your spiritual? What's your what's you? How do you tap into God, man? How do you how do you like get in touch with the Creator?
1: I don't know. It's 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 funny. Uh. I think for me it's more so just trying to have my mom always told me have a personal relationship with God. Yeah. So for me it was just trying to cultivate that in some way somehow. Mm-hmm. And I mean for me growing up it was prayer. Yeah. So constantly praying. Uh but like really like having a relationship with God is is, is crazy. I mean like you don't think that there's moments where you get upset. And like a kid, like I was hurt for certain things. Like every kid asks for God for these certain things. And if they don't come, it's like, all right, well, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely, that's part of a relationship, the growing pains. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's understanding that I'm at the point now where I realize there is a higher power. Mm -hmm. And just trying to, in my own personal way, trying to do what I feel is right. Mm -hmm. And so I can't really tell anybody what that is i don't have a creed for that i just try to figure out what that means to me like truly what it means and not try to just do something because i'm told
0: right um that's dope so relationship over religion right basically is, is is what you what you're about
1: you said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to put ma- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I get you. Okay. You said it. <laughs>
2: okay, man. Was there like a, a a main guiding religion or creed though that you grew up with? I know you said your mom taught you to have a relationship with, and was there one that kind of laid a foundation for you?
1: Yeah, we were Baptist Christian.
2: Baptist Christian. Yep. And-
0: So, yeah, no, I was just, I love that we could talk about this in this space. And this is, this is honestly at the crux of, of, you know, everything I, I think I'm doing here. Uh, I think we're doing here and, and I think it's, again, people get so hung up on what makes us different and they don't focus on what makes us the same. And so this idea of relationship over religion, like, listen, I'm not going to tell you, you know impose something on you you know what i mean but like that that level of uh respect because i think we've all get, been given that foundation somewhere and we're all just trying to figure it shit out you know what i mean so i appreciate you talking about it man
1: oh thanks for having me i mean i appreciate the platform i think a lot of people they don't express like how they truly feel yeah so for me i just appreciate a, a space where we can talk about these thoughts because a lot of people don't discuss these things. Yeah.
0: That's what good company's about, man. Uh, being able to table these kinds of conversations. Um, and I don't want to, I don't know if you got anything else you want to, you want to spit at us, man, but I don't want to be done with this. I'm like trying to,
2: (laughs) (laughs) well, I'm curious. I want to know, I want to know how you continue your personal development. You know, if you're, what, what Do you use books, podcasts, YouTube videos? Is it now just you being with your thoughts and, and your art? Like what's your what's your method for personal development?
1: Uh, for me, it varies. I mean, I get in these modes where like for me, I was writing for a while. So I was just constantly just trying to be a creative in writing. Like whatever sparked my interest, I'm going to write about it and see how I can compare it to other things and make it poetic or this whole, whatever creation I wanted to do. Or I would like watch YouTube videos. I would just, just any information, listen to audio books and just like try to pull like certain things I was looking for. Miss, I feel like it's like the small pieces I was missing. It's like my brain is searching for something, but I don't know what it is. So I'm just gonna take on all the information I think I can and hopefully subconsciously i'm grabbing bits and pieces here and there and then so whenever i create each creation becomes better because i've experienced more
2: mm. so, has there been a book or an author or somebody who's had an idea or something that's really impacted you i definitely
1: listen to alan watts a lot
2: he, see i don't even know who that is yeah who's alan watts yeah
1: alan watts Put, a song. He, Put a yeah song. He, he definitely he's uh I don't even know how you would really describe him. I mean, he's a philosopher, and he comments a lot about life and the duplicity of it. So I can't quote any of his stuff, but most of the stuff is what we talk about. If you want to do good, then there's some bad that's been done. Mm. So this idea, of this constant world of black and white, everything's duplicitous. Mm. And so he goes into it a lot. I mean, you definitely check it out. Oh, shit, man. We got a lot of
0: we got a lot of conversations ahead of us, bro. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's dope, man. Oof. That's awesome. <laughs> that <fucking laughs> strong. It is. <laughs> the the ice kind of watered it down a little bit last time. Oof. That's good though. I like it. Um, Steve, uh I think my man has to eat some dinner. So I mean, let's uh wrap it up. Any final thoughts or anything?
2: Yeah, I mean if we just want to, I guess, talk about something you want to plug, man, or share or, yeah. you know, if people like because we, we tried to look you up on social media, man, and you're uh, you're a hard man to find on there. I think the most recent tweet was from about five years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, is, is there a place you share your creative, uh, you know, your creations or a way people can find you and follow?
1: I'm definitely under the radar right now. I'm gearing yeah. up. I'm in the the battle stages right now. I'm trying to get everything and yeah. trying to rein it all in and figure out what avenues to release it in. So just kinda just locked in the creative mode right now, but very soon. I got some stuff coming and I definitely want to get it out there.
0: So you spend no time on social media right now?
1: Not really. Yeah. Very rarely.
0: I've taken a two-year break myself. I'm I'm yeah. trying to get ready to get back in it, man. But because uh, of this whole thing, but yeah, it's I like feel these you.
1: days you gotta be on there.
0: <laughs> I know, man, and it's unfortunate because I really I would I would rather have it without, bro. Honestly, yep. I would, but it is uh, it is what it is. Yep,
1: gotta gotta play the game. So I'll be on there soon. Okay, okay.
0: Um, anything else you want to give people? Uh, A shout out for, I mean, so we're, you're, you're dark, you're dark age right now, bro. I'm dark age. I'm
1: off the grid right now. (laughs) Okay. All right, man. I'll reappear. (laughs) Got you. We got,
2: we got special content, man. If you're, if you're off the grid, we had to fly into Chinatown just to get a hold of you. So (laughs) (laughs) we're privileged.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you sitting down with us. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, I could see a couple more, uh, Uh, interviews or you know just having you on as a guest kind of thing just because I think the more minds we put together and we really come together on on you know changing some things man I think uh, the world is in need of of some noble men and women that uh, are willing to put themselves out there and and speak on things like this so uh, I'd love to have you again man
1: yeah thank you I really appreciate that and yeah, just like you said, it's just like having those conversations. I think uh that art has been lost. I think everybody's on their phones most of the time, so mm-hmm. a lot of these conversations aren't had, right? So Right. Definitely it's it's a good thing to have everybody be able to communicate. Yeah. And actually communicate on the same page. It's that logos I was telling you about. Logos. <laughs> the
2: Ooh. logos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, and, and I think it's so important to Dale Carnegie said, you know, the author of how to win friends and influence people. He said the main human, like the biggest human necessity is self-expression and no better way than through art. And, and so the fact that you're going through and taking the time to do this, I, I mean, you could be out making money, you could be out doing things, coaching, whatever it is, but you're taking the time to really express the inner workings of yourself and, um, that's that's sacrificing a lot of things you could get in a worldly sense and inspiring others to do the same. So definitely want to commend you for that. We need all the people in the world who can do that. Thank you,
1: bro. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's definitely a journey and definitely a risk to take. But like I said, sometimes you just got to say, fuck it and go for it and see what happens. <laughs> Shit. That's pretty much it.
0: I think you're on the right one, man. I honestly do. I think you've been blessed beyond measure. And I'm sure you know that, but I think you're good, bro. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that. Yeah,
0: I respect what you're doing, man. All right, man. Well, um, it's been good company, man. Uh, it's been likewise. Re- it's, been likewise. Re- it's been real good company. Can I get you to say good company one time? Good company.